0: Father in heaven, we just want to thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for all these days that you've been speaking to us. And once again, this morning, we come to you through the blood of Jesus, through the new and living way that you've ordained for us, through the body and the blood of your son that we can come boldly and confidently to the throne, of, throne room of grace. To seek for mercy. And this morning we seek for your mercy. We seek for your grace. We seek for your mercy for all the sins that we have committed against you. Father, that you would cleanse us, forgive us our sins. Cleanse us and sh- uh, grant us the gift of righteousness, of repentance and righteousness. And Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us grace, O oh Lord. To learn, because your word says the grace of God teaches us to say no. And Lord, also, Lord Father, to overcome every sin in our lives. And Lord, I pray, Lord, even as we therefore meditate upon your word, strengthen our convictions, strengthen our resolve. And Lord, uh, Father, uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit even as we receive the word by faith. And Lord, wrought your work in the deepmost parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. To that and I pray that you would bless even the speaking and the hearing, and anoint and bless the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning um, uh, we're back, as uh, so we'll be looking at some important truths, uh, especially we looked at resurrection on uh, Sunday morning. Um, a very poignant uh, passage, if you well, is if you if you can turn with me to Gospel according to Luke chapter twenty four, a very poignant uh, passage, uh, one of one of my favorites, uh, and uh, you'll see that in thirteenth uh, uh, chapter, thirteenth uh, verse from 24, twenty fourth chapter twenty four verse thirty. Now behold two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened about the resurrection, of course. And so it was while they were while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know Him. And He said, "What kind of a conversation is that that you have with one another as you walk? And why are you sad?" And then one of the name one of those. Uh, whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and, and you have not known the things which happened there in these days? And he says, what things? The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And verse 21 is a crucial, but we were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Hmm. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. I mean, when they they just could not understand why the Messiah had to be crucified. You see, it was completely blocked in their conscience consciousness, even in the Old Testament, right? Uh, even in the Old Covenant, um, you, they only could see in part. But when Jesus came, it was completely. It was revealed. Okay, that is the reason why we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, the word for revelation actually comes from the ra- Latin word vellum, which means veil. Re vellum means to pull back the veil. The veil which is there, okay, on all of us. And that is the reason why it says when one turns to the Lord, the veil is pulled back. Okay, when one turns to the Lord and the Lord is the who? is the spirit and the spirit of the lord spirit of the lord is there is liberty when one turns to the lord when moses turned aside to see what happened the veil was lifted up and he was able to see not only the the god who spoke to him from the burning bush but also the deepmost parts of his own heart the 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 hidden things in his own heart he was able to see so that is the reason why we keep on asking god for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and why were they not able to understand you if you go through that passage they will say they could not understand the sufferings of christ and the subsequent glories the sufferings of christ and the subsequent subsequent glories see there's always suffering and then there is glory okay there is always suffering and then there is glory. So you need to understand, oh uh, foolish man, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophet prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and then enter into his glory. Okay? They, Christ had to suffer. And why? And they, see, the thing is that they did not understand that Christ was dying for their own sins. That is the reason why saving faith is an impossible faith. Everybody thought, why should he die? Even Peter said, why should you die? And God said, if I don't die, you are still in your sins. I mean, and if I don't die and raise, uh, raise from the dead, you are still in your sins. And you'll see that in the resurrection is such a crucial, crucial and most critical, what do you say, uh, doctrine of the entire Christian faith. Because without resurrection, nothing happens. That is the reason why Christ was crucified according to scriptures he was buried according to scriptures and it says he was raised from the dead again according to scriptures everything according to scriptures and everything in the old testament was uh, was about this entire um uh, 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 sorry salvation message that jesus was going to rot on the cross uh, and in his burial and in his resurrection okay so you need to understand this is very important okay for us so we understood uh, on sunday we understood uh, what resurrection means in some in in uh, in real detail and today we'll also look at a few more practical issues if truly we have applied the message of resurrection in our lives how should we live okay if the resurrection message is applied in our lives see christ died according to scriptures right right He was buried according to scriptures. On the third day, he rose according to scriptures. Now think about it. We were also crucified together with him on the cross. Then what is it? According to? It has to be according to scriptures. We were buried with him huh? according to scriptures. Uh, Where is it in the scriptures? Tell me. No, 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 no. You are looking at uh, that. For the scriptures for them is in the Old Testament, Baba, not the New Testament. -hmm. Hosea chapter 6. Let's read. Look at the, look at the pronouns that are used over here. Hosea chapter 6. Let's look look, look at from verses 1 onwards. Mm? Come, ah, come, 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 come. Let us return to the Lord, for he has stoned. He will heal us. He has stricken us, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will what? Deliver who? Us? Who that us, Baba? All of us who are where? In Christ. On the third day, He will raise us up. So therefore, we were also crucified on the cross according to scriptures. We were also raised from the dead according to scriptures. That we may <laughs> live in His sight. What a tremendous word. You know, remember, this was uh, our promise on, I think, 2011. The third day. The third day promise. Mm, okay. 2013. 2011 or 2020, one of the odd years, I remember, because 3 is an odd number, of course. So, so the third day was a promise. So, we also died on the cross according to scriptures. We were buried according to scriptures. And we were raised from the dead according to scriptures. So, all of us, we were in Christ. That is the reason why we were chosen in Him. When? Even before the foundations of the world were laid. Okay. So all of this was prophesied in the Bible. Okay. So that is the reason why he says, Oh, you foolish ones, slow of heart to understand and believe what the prophets have spoken did not christ also have to suffer and then enter into his glory so this is a very important uh theme all of us therefore that is the reason why we we'll, we'll look at certain things uh as to how this resurrection message should be applied into our lives and how what are the pra- some some practical issues may not, may not be exhaustive some practical issues as to how we should apply this message of resurrection into our lives is something which i wanted to look at today this morning if you turn with me to ephesians chapter 2 Let's read from, uh, verses one to one through to six. Uh, these are what we call as positional truths. Okay. These are what we call as what truths? Positional truths. Ephesians chapter two. And let's, let's read from verses one to six. It says, and you, he made alive. Okay. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay. This is, he made us alive. Okay. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Okay, that is our, uh, we were dead in our trespasses. We were literally corpses, essentially. Okay, it's 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 interesting what 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 Paul says right? all like whatever was there in my past, I consider it as what dung. Okay, isn't it interesting? All his achievements, he considered it considers it as dung. Now think about it. How many of us meditate on dung? Nobody thinks about dung, right? Dung is the last thing that will come into our mind. but many of believers, we still put our minds on dung. okay? That is just something which I wanted to uh, mention, uh, just in passing. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So there was a, a, we were just like the devil, the prince of of the power of the air. And what was the essence of the prince of the power of the air? I will, I will, I will, I will. His will was totally contrary to the will of God. You see, if you if, if you if you uh, put Philippians chapter two, two uh, how Jesus humbled Himself, and juxtapose it with Isaiah chapter fourteen, how uh, Satan tried to exalt Himself, you'll see such incredible characters. He wanted to be like God, like the Most High. He was the Most High. He emptied himself of of all his uh, glory, and he took the form of man. On the contrary, this man he had nothing; it was all he was all created. He tried to puff himself up and take the position of God. You'll see, you'll see some some interesting lessons that you can learn when you understand um, the 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 message of um, of Jesus on the cross. But let's move on. So the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, and go on verse 6 is crucial anyways, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by by nature children of wrath, just as others, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, verse 5 and 6, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. According to Ah uh, scriptures that's the reason why I told you Hosea chapter 6 is so important so important by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us you see all these pronouns over there it's us not just him yes he raised him up but he also raised us up sit, uh, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus okay so that is where where are we seated positionally these are some positional truths in Christ we are seated in the heavenly places and Ephesians chapter one verse three okay, and what does it say? Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places where in Christ all our blessings are now there, every blessing, every spiritual blessing which has or in, which is in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, and then uh, verse ch- chapter three, verse ten. Look at what it says. Chapter three, verse ten. So, what is a church supposed to do? So, yes, we were um, we we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been raised with Jesus, and we are seated together with Jesus Christ. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and therefore, what is the church supposed to do if you can read from verse ten onwards, yes, to the intent okay verse nine onwards, maybe for continuity Ephesians chapter three verse nine onwards hmm? okay, and to make to and and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that the manifold wisdom of God the manifold wisdom of God okay might be made known. By the who? By the church to the principalities and powers where? In the heavenly places. Okay, so, the church is consisting of individuals who are seated together in the heavenly places positionally. Therefore, if the church has that position, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. And what is the manifold wisdom of God? If you turn with me to James chapter 3, we know this verses very well. James chapter 3, verse 13. To 18, James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. So that manifold wisdom of God, manifold, it's a very interesting Greek word, okay? poly Polypikilos, kilos, you know the word kilos? Different kinds of wisdom. And one of the dimensions of that wisdom is a spirit of meekness. Okay, meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Why? This wisdom does not descend from above, but is what? Earthly. It is sensual and demonic. So there are two kinds of wisdom. One, what is the wisdom which is of the earth, which is essentially earthly, which is of the senses, okay, and essentially demonic. On the other hand, there's a wisdom which is from above, which is first meekness. For where there's end, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. That is one of the things about the wisdom from God. There is purity. What is purity? It is just not purity in terms of moral purity. That is one thing. Second thing about purity is that you have a single-minded focus towards God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you Double-minded. That means you have a single-minded devotion to God is what he's talking about. The wisdom which is from above is pure. That means it has a single-minded devotion. It is not diverted easily. That is one thing. Then it is peaceable. It is peaceable means it always endeavors to have peace with God and peace with man. That is the reason why Bible says as much as possible, what should you do? Live with peace with all men. Let not the sun go down on your anger. You see, all these things are so important. So first of of all, it is pure. Second, it is peaceable. Third, it is gentle. So what is the church supposed to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God? It has to proclaim the purity. Okay. It is supposed to proclaim peace. It is supposed to be gentle. It is willing to yield. Okay. One of the most important things about a Christian Christian is that he's got the he's got the ability to yield which which we do which we don't have. Before we were converted, we were all I wills. And what happens now? Now my will is to do his will okay, willing to heal. And then fourth one, it says, full of mercy and good good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So this is, these are the seven pillars of wisdom, right? We we looked at it in several contexts. So this is what the church is supposed to proclaim. It's supposed to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And what are the principalities and powers? Which, Which principality are we talking about? Not only the heavens, in the third heavens, there is also, we know, the second heaven which is ruled by Satan, the prince of the power of the air. We are supposed to speak to him that we are a people who are willing to yield. We are a people who come under submission to authority. Okay. There is order in our lives. All right. Understand. Then finally, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Look at this. Mm-hmm. For we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay. Um uh, <laughs> Derek call makes it a very, inter- very interesting uh, paraphrase of this. He says, For our wrestling match is with spirits without bodies. Okay? okay? Spirits without bodies. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness, Where? In the heavenly places. So our position is in the heavenly places. Our blessings is in the heavenly places. What the church is proclaimed to is supposed to proclaim is to proclaim the wisdom of God in the heavenly places. And where is that battle? It is in the heavenly places. Okay. That is the reason why the only people who have the weapons to actually fight the battle in the heavenly places are the Christians. And unless and until you you win the battle there, you actually haven't won the battle at all. Okay. The battle has to be one there okay so this is our position all right these are these are positional truths but how do we apply this in our lives is a question so let us see how these things have to be applied practically some issues as to how can we apply these things in our lives so let us look at some Im- important verses which of which we have looked at several contexts but let us re- revisit them it's found in romans chapter 6 and verse 4 let's see that romans chapter 6 verse 4 Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. You see, when Paul is writing the book of Romans he's, a, he's got a tremendous understanding of the Old Testament. Whatever he's writing in this discourse of the Romans, he is not just um, uh something which is new, which is not already there. He's actually taking from the Old Testament he's revealing it. As I showed you from Hosea chapter 6. Let us look at that verse again. Hosea chapter 6. I love that verse. Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 which talks about our being buried. Come let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, he will heal us. He has stricken, he will bind us up. In two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up. You see that? That we may live in his side. So what, what does it say? Romans chapter 6 verse 10. Four, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into his death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also what? Walk in the newness of life. We should also walk. Because our reality now is what? We are dead together with Christ. We are buried together with Christ. We'll, we'll sing that song. Living he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he took my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freed me forever. One day he's coming back. Glorious, glorious day. He rise, he, he rose, rose again for our justification. We looked at that, okay? Then, verse 6, uh, chapter 6 and verse 10. Alright, okay? Verse, verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin, what? Once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see that? This is this is how we live in units of life. How? By dying to sin and living for God. Okay? So how do we do this? Chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. Look at what it says. Another positional truth. Chapter five, 5 and 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. By overcoming sin in our lives. How do we do that? Verse 12 to 14. Verse 12 to 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness this is what he's talking about he's talking about how we live this reality of resurrection by not allowing sin to reign in our mortal bodies and not presenting our members as instruments of unrighteousness but how do we do that if you turn with me to colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 Okay, what is there in our members? What is there in our members? Okay. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Therefore put to death what? Your members again. What is there? Which is on, which is on earth? Okay, fornication, etc. Why? Colossians chapter 3, now verses 1 to 4 in NIV. Okay. NIV. (coughs) 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on early, earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You got that? And verse four, when Christ who is your life, this is such a powerful statement, right? When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Who's our life now? Christ is our life. In him was? life and that life was the light of men he who has the son has life okay i am the way the truth and the life it's complete it's a complete statement who's our life now christ is our life what is not our life pleasure is not our life greed is not our life idolatry is not our life this i mean money is not our life positions is not our life Uh, wealth is not our life education is not our life okay because in our in our country the most important god that we serve is uh, education okay both christians and non christians biggest god is not god yahweh is saraswati <laughs> we may not be lakshmi we may not be lakshmi putra but we are definitely saraswati putra because we we love education what is our biggest god have you seen especially in andhra and telangana and also i mean most typically in south india my goodness okay that is what they value is education above anything else Everything else is justified. Your lifestyle is justified when if you have education. It doesn't matter what you live, what you believe in. You can be an absolute atheist, but if you have education, your atheism is also justified. But he is very educated. Hmm. So what? You see? Okay. That is how it is. In our in our country and all around the world, people have different kinds of gods. One of our one of our greatest gods is we worship God and we serve our own gods. Second Kings chapter seventeen verse thirty three. Look at what, what that does. Second Kings chapter seventeen seventeen verse thirty three. Second Kings chapter seventeen verse thirty three. Look at what it says. They feared the Lord, <laughs> yet they served their own gods, according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. Exactly, according. In other words, there is no difference between the believer and the unbeliever. They worship God. They go to, go to church on Sunday morning. But what do they worship? What is their life, lifestyle? What is their value system? Exactly like the world. There's no difference at all between the lifestyle of a believer and the lifestyle of an unbeliever. They all watch the same movies. They all watch the same web series. They all watch the same things. Their they're, they're Bitcoin, whatever, etc. It's their every investment is on the things of this world. But on Sunday morning, they worship. They go to the temple, they go to church. That's all. There's no difference. Okay. That is the reason why, if you turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 20. Luke's Gospel chapter 20. This is, I'll give you the context. You know, the Sadducees who believe there is no resurrection. They come to Jesus and ask this question. No, Seven husbands (laughs) in the resurrection, whose wife she will be? Wow, what a question. Jesus has a fantastic answer. Look at what he says in Luke's Gospel chapter 20, verse 34 to 38. I love this passage. Okay. Look at what he says. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age, look at what, look, look at what is what he says. The sons of this age, okay, marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age. Now think about it. No, He has raised us up and seated together with heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he says. No, we are not, he says, people who are worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, what do they do? They neither marry nor are given in marriage. What does that mean? That means they are not concerned about this life at all. Look at what he says. Next verse. Nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels. They are two things. They are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. You see, when was Jesus declared to be the son of God? When he was raised from the dead, he was declared to be the son of God. Let me prove this to you. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. 1 to 4. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Hmm? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures see how, see I think when Paul wrote uh, uh, the book of Romans, he meditated on the Holy Scriptures like crazy and what he wrote in Romans is an entire treatise as to what the gospel is according to the Holy Scriptures, not his own ideas Now who? Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and then and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So when he was raised from the dead because he never sinned. Luke's gospel chapter 2 verse 24. Luke's gospel chapter 2 verse 24. Look at what it says. Okay, We saw this on Sunday. And yeah. Sorry, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 24, not Luke. Acts chapter 2, 24. Okay, Luke's Gospel chapter part 2, okay? Whom God raised up having lose the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Why? Because he never sinned. That's the reason why he says he was raised from the dead for our justification. Why? He was raised by the Spirit of Holiness because God was telling through the Holy Spirit this man lived an absolutely sinless life and if I put him there, I will be unjust. Therefore, he raised him from the dead and he was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. So we also will be called sons of God when we are also raised from the dead and we will be with God. Luke's gospel, let's go back. Luke's gospel, chapter 20, verse 36. Yeah, 36 onwards. Nor can they die anyway, for they are equal to the angels and, the, and are the sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. In verse 37, but even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead were raised when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And look at what he says, verse 38. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. For all. Him. Therefore, he says, those people who are concerned about the things of God, I mean, if you are truly, truly, you are seated together in the heavenly place, where, where is their mind? Their mind is not on earthly things, their mind is on things above. Okay. So what are they doing? They are putting to death every member which is pulling them down. Okay. The mind is where? The mind is on heavenly things, on where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Their mind is there. Our citizenship is not here, it is there. So, how do we do this? How do we truly, truly set our minds? But two things. First thing, we fight sin. We put to death, which causes us to sin, right? That's what it says. We, we should not, let's not sin reign in on our mortal bodies. We should not obey its lust. But how do we fight sin? Two ways. We know it. First thing, what is sin? Anything which is not of faith is sin. That means we live by faith and not by sight. Second, James chapter 4, verse 17. We know this verse very well. This is the most important thing. James chapter 4, verse 17. Which you want to look at today, this morning. James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore to him, who knows to do good, and does not do it, it is sin. Okay. <laughs> That's what it is, that somebody said, right? Uh, the best thing, the best way to go to hell is, do nothing, okay. and the when if all if 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 we as righteous people, I mean, if we are really really born of God, one of the things in our lives is we'll be fighting sin for sure. We can never be comfortable. So one John chapter four verse three will say, you "No, know, it says whoever is born of God cannot sin." And what does it mean? We are not only not doing the sins of commission, we are also not guilty of sins of omission. Martin Noelmer if i'm right Noelmer Martin Noelmer the, the german pastor this he he made a fantastic statement no he said uh when they came for the socialists i did i said nothing because i was not a socialist okay when they came for the trade unionists i said nothing because i was not a trade unionist they came for the jews and i said nothing because i was not a jew and they came for me and there was nobody there to say anything for me <laughs> Everybody's gone. He said nothing. He did nothing, and he died. He was a pastor. He was Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's contemporary. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, "You know one thing. One thing. I mean, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, he wanted to kill Hitler. Hmm. He was planning an assassination plot against Hitler." This guy said, "No, no. We should not do anything. In the kingdom of God, there's nothing called passive. Okay. We are supposed to do something." Okay. I want to show you a few things before we, uh, how do we do that? And I, think I just want to show certain things. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29 onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29 onwards. But this I say brothers, the time is short. Okay, I'll tell you something. This is, this is a very interesting phrase in the Greek. The time is short is just used two times in the entire Greek New Testament. Okay, the word is for short is wrapped up. You know, when you wrap up, what, you, what, what does it mean to wrap up? Job done. That is what it means to wrap up. And it's used only two times. You know, the, the one, one, one time it's used over here. Second time, you know, other, other time where it, where it is used, when Ananias and Safira die, the, the young people come and what do they do? They wrap him up and put him in the grave. Okay, That's exactly what God is saying. Time is going to be rolled up. Yeah. The time as you know it is going to be rolled up. And the word for time over here is, what do you think? Kronos or Kairos? Kairos. is <laughs> interesting. The Kairos meaning the opportunities in your life are getting wrapped up. All the opportunities of your life are getting wrapped up. It's very, 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 very close by. Why, what does it mean? Either you are going to die very soon or Jesus is going to come. We have to live in this reality every time. But I, but this I say to you brothers, the time is short. That means, oh, it's getting wrapped up. Time to wrap up is happening. So that from now on, even those who have wives should behave as if they had none. Meaning, you need to really, really know what the meaning of marriage is. Second, those who weep as though, that means even if you mourn for a particular, I mean, you should weep for the right things. Very few people weep that they, have, that they have sinned against God. They shed tears, like Judas. Okay. Very, very few people have sinned. You know, it's like now, when uh, Peter looked at Jesus and he wept, that is a fantastic tears to have. Okay. It says, uh, Nehemiah mourned and wept for several days. That is the kind of tears that we should have. Daniel moaned and wept for several days when he was fasting and praying for, 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 the, for the children of Israel. Why? Those are the kind of tears that we should have. Okay, Those who weep as they those who rejoice as they, as they did not rejoice. Those who buy as they did not possess. And then those who use this world as not misusing it for this form of the world is passing away. And the time is getting really really short. Opportunities are getting really, really short. And if you don't, uh, what do you say, uh, use, redeem those times, that is the reason why you have two, two phrases in, in the, in the Greek. You have chronos and you have kairos. What should you do? We use time, that is chronos, profitably so that we can redeem the kairos moments in our lives. And I want to look at one person, particular person in the Bible who was really exalted to redeem time. The moment of opportunity that God gave her. Who was that person? Let's turn with me to Esther chapter 4. And let's read a few verses. Esther chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. I told you, right? You should mourn for the right things. And went out into the midst of the city, he cried out with a loud and a bitter cry. Who is this Muradakai? Who is this Muradakai? Let's read from Esther chapter 3. I want to, I want to, I want to put this in context, okay? Esther chapter 3. Verse 1 onwards, okay? After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadetta, the agagite, and advanced him and set a seat above all the princes who were with him. Now this guy, Ahasuerus, by the way, or Xerxes in some translations, uh, secular historians say there was a, he was a total mad king. One day he was upset with the sea, according to history. This is a secular history, okay? He was upset with the sea, so he sent his army with the whips to whip the sea. Why? Everybody is bowing down to me except the sea. He was a crazy fellow. And next he he took some hot uh iron rods to put iron marks on the sea. Why? <laughs> because the sea was not buying down to him. He was a crazy guy. Absolutely crazy fellow. Okay. One of his very close uh acquaintances said, Okay, except for my first son, uh I'll give you all of, all of my other sons into your uh Into your army, you can use everybody except my first son. He's going to be with me. He's going to. He's in charge of my estate. Uh, He's going to be there with me. All the other of my sons will be will be serving you in the army. He was so upset with his friend. You know what he did? He chopped off his friend' son into two parts, and he made his entire army pass between these two. You're such a crazy fellow, crazy guy. So one Vashti refused to come. (laughs) He's so angry. Crazy, crazy guy. Okay, So, he, he could do some crazy things. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatta, the Agagite, and advanced him and set a seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were with the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. And I'll tell you something. This is a classic of all the people, of all the Jews who were in captivity, okay? Let me tell you what is, what I'm, what I, what is, what does Haman signify? Haman signifies uh, the things of the flesh. What we in this, we value in this world. What we value in this world? We value money, position, prestige, etc. Okay, and Haman is a Jew who refuses to bow down to the value systems of this world. Okay. Mordecai. sorry, Mordaka is a Jew who refuses to bow down to the values. Haman signifies that. The king promoted him. Who's a king? Given to pleasure and treasure. And what does he promote? He promotes a man of the flesh. And you'll see this Haman who wants to give a lot of money to Kill the Jews off. You will see that in that entire passage. So what is this? Who is this? Mordecai? Mordecai signifies a man who refuses to bow down to the value systems of this world. Isn't it interesting? Everybody who went into captivity, people who really maintained their testimony, you will see Mordecai refuses to bow down. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refuse to bow down. Daniel refuses to bow down. You will see the People who truly went into captivity and allowed the captivity to work in their lives, they refused to bow down to the idols of this world. On the other hand, when the Jews came out of, of, uh, of, of Egypt, the moment Moses went into the mountain, immediately went into idolatry. That's what somebody said. No, they all came out of Egypt, but Egypt did not come out of them. How many years did it take for Egypt to come out of them? Several years until they they were sent into captivity. Even during the judges, as long as there was a judge, they were good. But the moment the judge went, they went back into idolatry. Okay. As long as there was a king who was honoring God, there was a semblance of sanity, but the moment the, what is that, when the authority who was godly was taken away from their lives, everybody degenerated into idolatry. And God said, you know, something, I have to do something else in your life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you into captivity and I'm allowing the, I'm going to allow the captivity to do an incredible work inside of you. What is going to happen now? Even when nobody is watching you, you will make, you will take a stand. Now, Daniel was not there, right? Daniel was not there to say anything to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They took a stand. Daniel took a stand. Okay. And everybody whose spirits Jesus or, or was stirred up, they all took a stand. And you will see that they, all their names were mentioned, both in Ezra and in Nehemiah. Why does God name, mention individuals? God was not going to work as a, on a corporate family. He is going to work on individuals. And he's going to ensure that every individual's idols will be broken. The idols in their hearts will be broken. And that is the reason why captivity is good. And that is the reason why struggles are good. That is the reason why all kinds of situations that we go through is good. 119, 119.67. 119.71. 119.67. Look at what it says. We know this very well. No? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Verse 71. <laughs> I like this. It is good. <laughs> How many of us can see this? <laughs> Lord, I thank God for the situations that I went through in my life. If I wouldn't have gone through the situations that I've gone through, what would have happened to me? Oh, I would have worshipped the kind of idols everybody is worshipping. You see, never let all the struggles that you go through in your life go a waste. What is, what is God teaching us? Is a question that we need to ask. And an unexamined life is not worth living. Okay, so what does Haman signify? Haman signifies this guy who is honored by the world. Okay, Honored by the world. And what does Mordecai do? He refuses to bow down to the value systems of this world. He is a true Jew. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, whose praise is not from... Man, but it is from God. He's become a, he he's a true Jew who has dealt with all the idols in his heart. You know Rudyard Kipling. Kipling. Rudyard Kipling. Kipling. How many of you know Rudyard Kipling? Are Rudyard Kipling's famous most famous book? Huh? Okay, no, 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 no. that is uh, Thomas Kempis Baba. You are, very too, you are too spiritual, okay? <laughs> Rudyard Kipling wrote the book, the Jungle Book, okay? Okay, you know, the yeah. <laughs> famous English writer, okay? Okay, <laughs> you know, you know, he <laughs> I heard this from one one uh, preacher, P. U. Pender, if I'm right. He was mentioning this guy. Uh, he says Rudyard Kipling uh, went to McGill University, okay? Montreal, which where I studied several years back, okay? In 1908. He, he was, he was giving a speech to all the students over there. And the essence of his student, actually, in fact, in fact, you can go and, go onto Google and you can type it. Kipling on wealth. That's his, that's the, that's the, that's the essay, okay? Now, what Kipling says in that, uh, in that, uh, in that speech is he's talking to the students and all the people in McGill University saying, don't run after money. Don't after, run after possessions. Don't run after glory. Look at this, look at this. He says, don't run after money. Don't run after positions and don't run after glory. Why? Sooner or later, you're going to meet a man who will not value any of these things and you will find how empty you are. What a statement that is. (laughs) What a statement. Sooner or later, you're going to meet a man who will care two hoots to all this and you will see how empty you are. That's exactly why Haman was so angry with Mordecai because, because sorry, yeah, Mordecai. Because Haman, Mordecai refuses to bow down to the value systems of this world. What do you what do you what do you think of? Possessions. I care two hoots to possessions. What do you think about money? I don't care about money. What do you think about glory? From where? From the king's, from the king's table. I don't care about glory. Remember what happens to him when what should be, what should happen to the guy whom the king's, king desires to honor? Uh, the king, uh, so Haman gives an entire discourse as to what has to be done. Do this to Mordecai, he says. And he does this to Mordecai. Mordecai goes around the city and after he finishes, what happens to him, Mordecai? He comes back and stands at the gate. It's amazing. Mordecai is, this uregimpu is happening. Uregimpu means that they're taking him on the, on the, onto the streets and I'm telling, and I'm telling the entire world how great is Mordecai. And this fellow is not allowing that glory to even touch him because he understands this is not for the reason I'm here. I'm here to save the Jews. And he comes back to his position, he comes back to the gate. And he never allows the glory of this world to touch him. You see? So what happens? I mean, Rudyard Kipling's fantastic statement. Don't run after possessions. Don't run after wealth. Don't run after glory. Because sooner or later you're going to meet a man who will care two hoots about this and you will find yourself how empty you are. And I'll tell you something. All the people are pursuing all the things of this world. They are so empty. I was listening to a testimony of a Muslim brother today in the morning. Arab brother. You know what he says? I was trying to please Allah. And I was being so religious. I was praying, fasting, praying, fasting. And the more I was praying, the more I was fasting. And I was realizing how empty I I was. Even religion, without God, can make you show your emptiness. You see. So what happens to Mordecai? This guy says, "I refuse." Let's go back to Esther chapter three. Look at what it says. Hmm? Yeah, verse two. I refuse. Uh, verse 2. And then the king's servants. <clears throat> verse 3. Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage. Verse 3. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? It's amazing, isn't it? What is the king's command? Worship. The idol. And what does Abednego? we already made our decision. Okay. Okay. We are not going to argue with you, king. We have already made our decision. If we have to die, we will die. If God has to save us, He will save us. But we have made our decision. We are not going to bow. I mean, you have to have guts to say this to a king. Okay. Okay. See, this is not ordinary thing. So what is happening? That is the reason why captivity is good. You know, that is the reason why we, 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 uh, we claim that promise. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. No, what does it say? I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a peace and expect it. Who, whom is it prom- promised? Ah, people who go to captivity. He says, Baba, you go to Babylon. Okay. Go there. Prosper there. Okay. Why? Because I have taken you out of Egypt, but Egypt is still not out of you. Unless I, until I send you to captivity, I will not be able to deal with the Babylon in your heart. And God had to send them to captivity. So the people, the remnant who are come back, who's going to come back and build the temple will be a people who will be stirred by the spirit of God. Why? Because? They have been dealt, they have dealt with Babylon in their own hearts. And you will see that God works on individuals, isn't it? He works on a Nehemiah, he works on an Ezra, he works on a Haggai, he works on a Zechariah, he works on a Malachi, he works on a Zerubbabel, he works on a Joshua, he works on a... He works on individuals and you will see that every individual is intricately involved in the building of the temple of God. Why? Why are their names mentioned? Because God is not looking for a corporate body. He's first going to work on individuals and then going to bring them together as a corporate entity. Okay? So what does he do? Why do you transgress the king's command? Exactly what Peter said, right? we should fear <laughs> God, then fear man. We should obey God, then king's command. If the king's commandment is against the God's commandment, we will go against the king, God's, king's commandment. Period. Think about it. In India, for the next 30 days, no prayer. No worship. What will you do? Think about it. We have to, we have to put it to our own situations what will happen to us. Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, he would not listen to them. That they told to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. He was telling them, I'm a Jew. My value system is not your world's value system. And I will refuse to bow down to the value systems of this world. I will refuse to bow down to flesh because Haman is Agagite. And Agagites are of the tribe of? Agag was? King of the Amalekites, exactly. Oh, very good, no? <laughs> you forget all our lessons that you have learned, okay? No problem. Lessons during lockdown, <laughs> So, he was the Amalekite, he was the king of the Amalekites. Alright? So, he refused. He would not listen to them. It's like, you know, uh, Joseph, every day she was being, she was persuading him to succumb to temptation, but he, Refused. That's a beautiful phrase. But he refused. Three words. Can it be said about you? <laughs> epitaph on your grave. <laughs> but he refused. What a fantastic yeah. epitaph on your grave, no? But he refused to succumb to the value systems of this world, and he is there. What is he? He is asleep in Christ. That is the reason why we we are calling. We call all our graveyards not as graveyard. We call them what? Cemeteries. You know what cemetery means? Beds. What do we do on beds? Sleep. We are all asleep in Christ. One day we will be risen up from the glory. Why? Because we refuse to succumb to the value system of this world. And what should be there on our epitaph? But he refused. That will be interesting, no? That will be an interesting epitaph on our grave. Okay. All, everybody will write... I, he has fought the fight etc etc i don't know how true it is in their lives okay we go everywhere into the uh, on the graveyards oh, this this verse is written in their lives on their epitaphs but this is a good epitaph to have but he refused. why the grace of god which has appeared to all men what does it say it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions okay let's move on so what does he do verse 5 verse 5 when Haman saw that Mordecai did not pay or pay, uh, bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath, and that is the reason why he wanted to destroy—just not Haman, sorry Mordecai, but the entire Jews. In that context, Esther chapter four is written. Let's go back now to Esther chapter four and read that. Esther chapter four, let's read from verse one onwards. <clears throat> Mordecai learned all that had happened, and he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a bitter cry. Why? Who is says Mordecai? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you now. Mordecai is the conscience of a believer. According to me. The conscience which has been trained by the word of God. That is the reason why the end of commandment is love from a pure heart. Ah. Huh. Uh. What is faith without pretense, unfeigned faith, and a good conscience. Okay, Second Timothy chapter one verse five. Let's read that. Second Timothy chapter one verse five. Don't ever forget this verse. Okay, so first, first Timothy chapter one verse five. First Timothy chapter one verse five. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Pure heart. We know what pure heart means, right? Undivided attention towards god from a good conscience and a sincere faith okay because if you don't have a good conscience a conscience which is turned so Murthaka is the voice of your conscience okay and he is going to speak to esther certain things that is going to stir her, stir her up and that is supposed that is that that is supposed to be uh that is supposed that is how we are supposed to even uh, train our conscience so that when some someone speaks from the pulpit if the if our conscience is not bothering us then something is something is something is wrong okay anyways let's move on when mardukai learned all that had happened he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went into the midst of the city he cried with a loud and bitter cry so he started weeping he went as far as the front of the king's gate for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth okay let's move on And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. All this is happening and one person is totally oblivious to this. Who is that person? Esther. I'll tell you something. Esther signifies a believer who is completely couched with the pleasure and the treasure of this world. And the protections of this world. She's a good person. No doubt. She's a good person. Disciplined. Godly. A virgin. She's a virgin. In other words, she has not defiled herself with this, with the pleasures of this world. She kept herself pure, but she is completely oblivious to what is going on in this world. That's a, that's a remarkable thing among many believers also, no? They're completely oblivious to what is going on in the, in the world. The kind of situation that Christians are going through. How many of us really look forward to the meditations in the morning? Not me, if I may, if I'm honest. When I read it, I, I said, boy, this is but this is the reality. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, if you will. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3 onwards, if you if you can read from these. Chapter 3, verse 33 onwards. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. So Esther, (laughs) you don't ever forget that you are a who? You are a Hebrew. You are a Jew. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body. So if you read in the morning, most of the time, it is testimonies of those people who are absolutely, very rarely we, we find uh, uh, theological discourses in our early day morning reading, right? And when we read it, how do we relate? Very rarely we relate. Very rarely! See? So remember the prisoners as have changed with them, those who are mistreated since you yourself are in the body also, then go on, then go on, Was. Hmm. Verse, verse 4 is very important, I think. Okay, sorry. Where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think it is hey, verse eight. Verse 8. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away. Okay. Let us look, let us let us stop there. So what does it say? It says, Esther, remember that you are also a Jew. Okay. you are completely co- covered in the in the in the in the palace you are living in the protection of the palace but let me tell you you are actually not protected somebody said no the safest place to be in is in battle hmm. <laughs> isn't it interesting the the lepers have three choices if we go back we will die if we stay here we will die 50% probability of survival when we go to battle Okay, understand? <laughs> so, when if there is no battle in your lives, you are in a dangerous position. That is the reason why. If you turn with me to us, Second Kings chapter eleven, oh, we look look at this so so many times we looked at it. But verse one is powerful. Second Kings say Second Samuel chapter eleven. What am I saying? Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse one. Now it came to pass, verse one. Yeah. Now it happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings go out to battle, there's a time. What do you think the the word for time is? Kairos. These are moments. That means not to enjoy and relax, to take your siesta. I'll tell you something. What happens when that when you're supposed to be in battle, you are sleeping, you're enjoying? What will happen? Your guards will be down. See, when you when you're pampered, no. What happens? You are nicely. You're. Guards are totally down. That's exactly what Samson does, uh, Delilah does with, uh, Samson. Nicely, she makes him lull with sleep on her, on her lap and gets the barber and nicely takes off the, the uh, locks of her, of his hair. His consecration is gone. Why? Because the guards are slowly down. Why? When you are supposed to go to battle, you stayed back. That's what we know. The sin of omission. If you do not do the sin of om- if you if you are guilty of sin of omission, you will be guilty of sin of commission by default. Okay. That David sent Joab and his servants, but he remained in Jerusalem. And that's exactly what happens. When the guards are down, who strikes? The serpent strikes. And after that, Israel doesn't recover. Israel doesn't recover. You now, every king... So let's go back. Verse 4 of Esther chapter 4 verse 4. Look at what, what happens to Esther. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her and the queen was deeply distressed. For what? Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai <laughs> and take a sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Accept them. You know what is Mordecai was telling? I am not, uh, mo- putting on sackcloth because I don't have money in my bank. Okay? It's not because I don't have money. You have completely no idea as to what is going on. See how, how difficult it's like this, now. When we uh, read the morning devotions in the morning, what do we do? We just turn it off and he says, doesn't happen with me, it's okay. We just read it and ignore it. Most of the time we just ignore it. I don't think many of the words, verses uh, that we read in the morning, they actually stick with us. Because we haven't gone through those situations. Right? So it's like, that's what happens with palace. You know? When we see somebody suffering, we want to send them garments and clothe them. Because we can't stand suffering. We can't. It's like, you know, Satan, right? Or like Peter says, I have to go and die in Jerusalem. Lord, be it far from you. And what is? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because you are mindful not of the things of God, but of things of man. Exactly what has happened to Esther. Okay? What has happened? The palace has dulled you. The pleasures and the comforts have dulled you. What has, what have you become? You have become earthly. Your mind is not on heavenly things, but now Unearthly things. Look at let us see. What happens? He would not accept them. Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. I mean, she was she has no idea as to what is going on. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the son of money, sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasures to destroy the Jews. What's happening? There's going to be a decree which is going to destroy the Jews. No. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for the destruction which was given at Sushant that he might show it to Esther and explain to her that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. Now look at her response. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's promises know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king, who has not been called, has but one law. To be put to death. That means there is no chance for my survival if I go. I told you, no. this guy is a mad king. Mad fellow. I mean, I, 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 sometimes I wonder, you know, when we read, uh, first, second, first Peter chapter three, um if any one of your husbands do not know the Lord, you can win him over by the conduct of your wives. Who's one example I can, I was, I was to always wonder, who's, who's that one example I can put in the entire old covenant who fits this bill? Is Esther. Did she do one Bible study? No. How did you, how did she win him over? By feeding him nicely. It's amazing, no? <laughs> How she won over the king by feeding him nicely. If I found pleasure in your sight, if I have found favor in your sight, come to the meal that I prepared for you. And she made a fantastic meal. Not once, twice. Okay? If you have to ask sisters, how many of you can cook for your husbands these these days? Many few, very 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 few sisters will be there. <laughs> okay, okay. They have. They don't know. They can operate the computer, but not the 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 kitchen. I'm not saying that they are supposed to be in the kitchen. But I'm just thinking how we have changed in these days and age, right? Okay, kitchen is not important for us anymore. That's the reason why we have app. What is that app? Swiggy. Mm-hmm. Swiftly, we will become fat (laughs) with all the junk into our system, you see. That, this is, this is, this is important. One person in the entire Bible who I found could really fit that bill, no? Uh, We know, we don't have, many, many uh, sisters can say we don't have uh, husbands like uh, Xerxes who will cut off their heads. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, oh, no, very, very very, few sisters can say oh, my husband is the one who will cut off my head. I think only one or two can say my husband is a violent man. But, but uh, this guy is really a crazy fellow. Okay. If he has to cut off, cut off. That's it. Okay. But she won him. That is that inc- incredible thing. With her, with, the, with her conduct, with the imperishable beauty of her meek and gen- gentle spirit. So that is the reason why, why do you think of all the women who was brought into the palace, the king had eyes for who? For Esther. Why? Why? It's not, a, it's not by accident. That is the reason why charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but he who, she who fears the Lord, she will be praised. Beauty is given for a reason. Okay. All the talents that God has given you is given for a reason. It is impossible to, for a man, for a, for a man to be gifted by God and he has no purpose in his life. I don't agree. It's impossible. It's impossible. Because man was created in the image of God with a purpose. It's impossible. Okay. You'll be gifted and not have a purpose. And everybody has a gift. Everybody. Okay. We have gifts which are natural and we have gifts which are spiritual. Both God has given to us. It's impossible, therefore, for us. And therefore, so she says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that any man or woman who goes into the inner in court of the king, who has not been called, has but one law be, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for these Thirty days. Also, look at this response. In other words, I can't do it. You know, so many people are scared to do for God. Let me tell you something. In other words, she's saying it is risky. Okay, this investment is. I was talking to uh, the other day, the other day to Pastor. Um, somebody sent this question on our Q and A sessions, right? What is the Q and A session's question was? Uh, what do you think about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin? So, Pastor was telling me some, uh, he said, I don't know much about this. And I told Pastor, actually, Pastor, there's a lot of risk in it. And you know, he made a very fantastic statement. He said, Vijay, there is no investment without risk. It's impossible to have investment without risk. No risk, no gain. And he said, God took an incredible risk by investing into our lives. Right? Think about it, Now, He had 70 disciples. He sent them all two by two. Gave them authority. In other words, he risked... How many of them followed? <laughs> Out of 70, 68, uh, so 58 left. When the teaching got a little tough. No, it says in uh, John's Gospel chapter 6, they refused to walk with Jesus because they were offended. They said, this is a hard teaching, who can bear this? And then, Jesus said, do you also want to go away? And you know what Peter says? To whom shall we go? You and you alone have the words of life. You know what Jesus says? Did not did not did I did I not choose twelve? At one of you is the son of the devil. That means he took an incredible risk. Amazing. God is a God who takes takes incredible risks. In fact, sometimes he puts all is. It appears that he puts all eggs in one basket. It appears, I mean, if if we are people, we will distribute our investment so that at least if two fail, one will. But God puts all his eggs in in the basket called the church. It's amazing, no? That's what it says, no? Jesus uh, Jesus overcame overcame the devil. But why did he overcome the devil? Because those who were with him were the called, they were the chosen and they were the faithful. (laughs) Amazing. You are called. Many are called. Few are chosen, but only few remain faithful. Out of the so many investments God has put in, only few come out. So, it's an incredible risk. But faith is a tremendous risk. Abraham went out, not knowing where he was going. That's what pastor was talking about. It is darkness. It is Faith is darkness, because you do not know where you are going. Otherwise, it is sight. Investment is a risk. God is taking a risk. So, faith is a risk. I mean, it incredible, right? When you, when you leave everything and, and uh, want to serve God, people will say, it's too much of risk, Vijay. The chances of, uh, of, uh, you succeeding in this ministry? Very little. They will show you all the failures. Only 20% of the people succeed in this so and so, so and so, so and so, so. Tremendous risk. So what do you do? No, no, let me not do it. Many believers are like that. They don't want to take risk. You know what the risk is called? Cross. What are they? They are not the enemies of the Lord. They are the enemies of the cross. Let's move on. Verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. This is the voice of your conscience. You know, conscience has to give you a a stunning rebuke. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. I told you, right? What are you guilty of? You will be guilty of the sin of omission. Do not think. Any more than all the other Jews. And verse 14. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Let me tell you something. This is going to be the, the, the regret of many saints in eternity. Many saints in eternity, will have their crowns being worn by somebody else. Who's, whose name is on the crown? Your name. Who's wearing? Somebody else. So what is the warning to the church called the Philadelphia, the best church? Ah. Ah, be careful that no one will steal your crown. No one will steal your crown. Okay. I remember, you know, when I said, Pastor, I don't know whether I have to ministries. Pastor. I don't know. You know what? Pastor said, Vijay, if you don't come to ministry, it's okay. You are not going. To, God is not going to lose anything. Only one thing will happen. Your calling will go to somebody else. The crown which was reserved for you will be worn by somebody else. What is your choice? What is your uh, take on that? Uh, no, me being a very competitive fellow, I said, No, 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 no. Nobody is going to wear my crown. Okay, I said, No, no, no. That <laughs> that crown is for uh, me only. Say, who wants relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from for but you and your father's house will perish. It is not may perish, will perish. In other words, if you do nothing, that's what I said. They came to the, they came, they came for the socialists. I did not say anything because I was not a socialist. Martin Noelmer, Noelmer, very interesting word. Noelmer, Luther, um, Schonsteiger. Okay, Keller, Piper, etc. All these are Germans, okay? And pun intended there, okay? For if you remain completely silent, relief and deliverance will arise. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a what? Oh, what is the time? Kairos. This is your moment. And if you do not take action at this time, you will lose your moment. That is the reason why it says in Psalm 32, Everyone should search the Lord in the time that he may be found. And when is the time? Now is the time. Now. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow will be too late. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So what does what does Esther do? Then Esther told them to reply more the I hope this will be our reply. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Not only just fast for me, I will also fast. It's not that you fast and I feast. A lot of believers are like that. Pastor, can you please fast for me? What are you going to do? I don't have time for fasting, Pastor. You are one Satan only then. Hmm. (laughs) I should fast for you and you are not going to Fast. No, no, I'm very busy, you know. I don't have the time for fast. I have to go for college, I have to go for a job. You fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, not night and day. My mates and I also will fast likewise. It's interesting, no? You cannot go to the presence of your of the king with your face. Can you imagine the kind of risk that she's going to take now? If anybody is in the, first of all, you cannot go to the presence of a king before being called, without being called. Second, if you enter into the presence of the king and your face is all like this, as if you are fasted, what is going to happen to the What are the chances of your survival? But that is how spiritual people take decisions and make decisions in their life. You know why? Because their mind is set on what things? On earth, not, not on earthly things, on heaven. They know for the purpose for which God has given them positions and authority and talents or whatever. And they are going to willing to use it and invest it. And you know what they will say? I will go to the king which is against the law. If I perish, I perish. What is our attitude? But let me tell you something. This is what is what we call as the principle of the cross. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We looked at it in so many contexts. Matthew chapter 16. And verse 23 onwards, yeah, thank you, yeah, 23 onwards. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, you are a stumbling block to me, you are a scandal to, men, to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That is the reason why it says, No. If you are raised together with Christ Jesus, set your minds on things above, set your hearts on things above. Where is, where is Jesus? Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is no other way. Deny himself. The huge fellow which has to be really dealt with every day of your life. Who's that fellow? Self. I. His will. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. It's the principle. If I perish, I perish. But you know what? Peter said, no, we have forsaken all and we have followed. And what Jesus says, he looks at him and he says, nobody who has forsaken wealth and parents and wives and children with, they will not receive not just on this life and in the life with persecutions. Of course, persecutions will come. Definitely. That means you will never lose with God. You take a stand for God, God will take a stand for you. For whoever desires to save his life, will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake, will find it. Okay, in verse 26. For whoever desires, okay, verse 26. What what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What what does he say? If you keep silent, you will lose your own soul. You think that you are going to preserve your soul? but you're going to lose your own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 17. So verse 16. Go gather all the Jews who present in Sushan. Fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My mates and I will fast likewise. So if I, I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Isn't it amazing? Immediately after this, Esther goes, and that night, the king is not able to sleep. Isn't it interesting? It's amazing how God is sovereign. You will see, if you look at the account of Nehemiah, you look at the account of Ezra, you look at Daniel, you look at um, Esther, these are all historical accounts, one of the things that you keep on, the one theme which is reiterating over and over and over again is a sovereignty of God. But God is sovereign over the affairs of man. What is it? The heart of the king is in the hands of God. You think that you are king. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you know what? I am actually king and I am directing your heart the way I want you to go. I choose this trajectory for you and you will choose a trajectory which I decide. Okay? So, even... The kings serve the purposes of Even Satan serves the purposes of God. Okay, all things work together for the good of those who love God. And so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther has commanded. So question today, this morning. The voice of Esther's conscience is Mordecai. Do we have that voice? Who can speak to us? Who really, really... Offenders who will tell to our face that if you do, you will perish. Remember, Samuel, go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. No, 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 no. If Saul comes to know, he'll kill me. Are we love Saul? Are we teachable? Can God speak to us? Can God confront us? Can God speak hard things to us? Are we ready for that? Can you, can you imagine? Murtakai, you know, he's not, he never flatters anybody. You think that you're going to do well. Let me tell you, you will die. (laughs) You will die. And, but what deliverance will come to the Jews from other place? But you will miss your chance. You know, it's interesting, right? Do you also want to? Leave away. Leave. That's what Jesus. Jesus looked at the eleven and he said, "Do you also want to go away?" Oh, yeah. If we what will happen if we, if uh, Peter and everybody leaves? What will happen? Nothing. Their history is gone. God will have chosen completely a new batch and would have started. It's your privilege. Can God speak to us? Hard things. One fellow was said, "Get behind me, Satan," and he still followed God. And the other said. The other to him, God said, just be quiet. And he got offended. Who was that person? Please be quiet, no? She has done it for my burial. The poor are always with you. And he got offended. And he went and betrayed him. More, and that's the reason why it's it's very, very important for us to understand how we receive the word of God. Luke 8.18 Matthew Mark 4.24 Luke 8.18 and Mark 4.24 located in. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. How do you hear? With an attitude. I want to listen. That is the reason why it says with meekness receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Ultimately, it depends upon how we receive the voice of correction in our lives. See, voice of encouragement everybody likes. Everybody loves to Say good things about you. Peter, you're a fantastic worship leader. After a while, you will get ups. You will get tired of that. I'm telling you. You'll get enough, okay. Enough. enough. You will say that. You will not, you will really not not be satisfied. That's what it is. He who flatters his neighbor, what does he do? He spreads a net to his feet. Remember? Remember? Both Christian and, uh, and I think faithful. Faithful, they're walking on this and there's a path called the by-path meadow. Who comes there? The flatterer comes. And he flatters them. This also It's a shortcut to heaven. He flatters you. He gives good things about you. What does he do? Ultimately destroy you. The voice of Marduk is very important. Therefore, how you hear. And second thing, you have to be very careful. Mark 4.24. You know this very well. He said to him, take heed. What do you hear? (laughs) Both are important. What what do we hear? We only want to hear good things about us. That's exactly what Ahab said. He doesn't prophesy good things about me, only evil. It's good for us. You know why? Because we need those voices of conscience who speak to our conscience and confront us. Okay. Why? Turn with me to Second Timothy chapter three, verse one onwards. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one onwards. Yeah. Okay. But know this: in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and next next verse. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. The focus is on the word love. (laughs) Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. What do they do? They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. How did this happen? Go to uh, First Timothy chapter 4, (coughs) verse 1 onwards. (coughs) Now the Spirit expressly says, that in the later time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron. That is the reason why it's so important as to what you hear. Your conscience has to be trained by the word of God over and over and over again. The standards of the word of God have to be trained. Your conscience has to be trained with that. Because why? As I told you, conscience is not your guide. It is only your gold. So if your goat is nice, it'll be hard for you to kick against your goats. One day or the other you should say, what is going on in my life? Because your goats will always constantly keep pricking you, pricking you, pricking you. What is going on in my life? You'll say. But if your goats are not pricking you, that is the reason why if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So important therefore, so very important as to what you hear and second as to how you hear. Both are so very important Important in this last speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And then verse 3 what do they do? Forbidding to marry etc. By those who believe and know the truth. Okay. So, this morning it's a great risk in as far as this world is concerned. Hmm. <laughs> But you know what, on the other hand, on the other side, there is a better country. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and I will end our uh, study with this verse, these verses. Verse 13 onwards, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 onwards, one of my favorite, favorite verses. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar. I like that. No, it's like uh, Moses being taken on the top of the mountain, and God shows him the entire country. Okay, from afar, Ash- were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a Homeland. What is that corner kind of homeland? Verse fifteen and sixteen. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to to return. In other words, if they keep on thinking, no, or you know what the life of what kind of a life I had on the other side, they would have returned. That's exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to take another leader who would take them back to Egypt. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. That's what we were seated together with Christ Jesus where? in the heavenly place. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. We have a city which is there. Okay. On the other side there are pleasures for evermore. But in order to enjoy the pleasures forevermore what should you go through? Death, burial, resurrection. You will not allow your holy one to see what? Corruption. Why? You have shown me the path of life, you have made me the, the way of life. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The spiritual pleasures and spiritual treasures which are which will satisfy for you forevermore as a heavenly country. So what do we do? Lord, let my focus come back to you. <laughs> to you. Let my focus and my mind come back to things of God and not the things of this world. Romans, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling. You see that? <laughs> we are seated together with heavenly, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We also have a heavenly calling. Consider the apostle. Our calling is not earthly. Okay. Our calling is not of this earth. Okay, our calling is, see, my calling is, okay, in in one sense, I am called to be a pastor or a teacher is one one calling. But that is, it is just not for this, it is for the life to come. That is the reason why he says, the shepherds, if they take care of their flock, what will they receive? A crown of glory, which will not perish from whom? From the shepherd, from the chief shepherd when he appears. It's on the other side. It's not here. Okay, for everybody is on the other side. So what, where, where should our eyes be? Our eyes should be on the other side. This morning I was, I was praying with pastor and uh, he was telling me, you no, know, he was telling me whatever we go through, <laughs> uh, every time we go through any situation in our lives, God is constantly reminding us that this life is useless on the side of eternity. What we, I mean, if we have focus on this life is useless. Our focus is on the life to come. We are not sons of what? If we, are, if we are sons of God, we are the sons of resurrection. If we are really the sons of resurrection, then we are truly the sons of God. If we are truly really the sons of God, our mind is where? on earthly, Not on earthly things, but on heavenly things. Let's, let's look at those verses once again. Uh, once For well, the one last time, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And let's stop for the day. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And NIV, please, yes. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Okay? If we suffer with Him, we will also be glorified together with Him. Amen? So this morning, if we perish, we perish. Okay? But... We will never perish with God. Hmm. Okay, we will never ever lose with God. You give to God your everything. Those who honor God, God will also honor. That's a very interesting formula. One, two, three, zero. Would you say that. One, two, three, zero. First Samuel chapter two verse thirty. Easy to remember. One, two, three, zero. Let us look at that verse, and we will stop. Those who honor God. Okay, was far beat for me. Last part. Those who honor me. I will honor, but those who despise me will be despised as well. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just commit ourselves once again to your hands, O oh Lord. Father, bring us back our focus to not on earthly things, but on heavenly things. Father, we truly want to say like Ruth, where you go, I will go. Your God, will be my God. Your people, will be my people. Where you die, I will also die. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us therefore, (coughs) go outside, without the camp, bearing his reproach, for Christ also died outside the camp, bearing our reproach. And this morning Lord, Father, reprogram program our minds. Reprogram program our minds, O Lord Jesus. So that our minds will be set on things which are above. And bring into our lives men who will care, who will not care about the possessions of this world. Who will not care about the glory of this world. Who will not care about the, the wealth of this world. Our mind is on earth on above things or things which are above, and make us into those people a lot, so that Lord, when we talk to people a Lord Jesus, as your word says, many will, will hear and fear and put their trust in you. Bless us with that kind of an attitude, a Lord. That is true spiritual blessing when we are truly not offended like the way Esther was. She was. She was corrected. She was. <coughs> she was. She was. Got. She made herself into a position where she could be corrected a oh lot. Enable us to be teachable. Enable us to be malleable. So that oh Lord, we will allow the Word of God to shape our minds <coughs> and our and our hearts and our consciences. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.